Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and we are on a Zoom podcast with Joe Seven Four Eight and Sheriff AP. How's it going, Sheriff AP? Hey, it's going good. Always good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always fun talking with you. And Joe Seven Four Eight, how are you doing? Hey, good. Got a slight case of COVID, but so far so good. Do you? Yeah. Oh no, I tested like an hour ago, so. Yeah, my mom was going to come visit, but we were going to have to cancel that one. So, oh, oh no, bummer. COVID bummer. Yeah. Well, you guys hang in there and feel better soon. But you know what? <laughs> Not even COVID can stop us. It can stop us now. <laughs> and we're going to charge ahead. And if Joe Sum48 needs to take a break for a nap or something, <laughs> we'll let him do that. But we wanted to. This is we, we wanted to get this recorded before I'm gone for a stretch of time. And both Just Some 48 and Sheriff AP are available. So we're going to get it done. Sheriff AP, how long have you been at Advantage Play? About four years now. Four Since years. 2018, yeah. Full time. Okay. And when did I meet you? Was it about a year in or less than? It was about six months in at okay. 2018 boot camp. I think number 22 was the one. Oh, bootcamp 22. And now the best. (laughs) We're in the thirties now, but let's back up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how and why you got into advantage play and, and a little bit of your background. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know where to start, but I think a good place is when we moved to Seattle in 2016, I moved out there for a tech job and it just wasn't working out for me, the long hours. And I had been an entrepreneur for the seven years past. While I was in college, I had run my own businesses and they made just about as much income. So I immediately started looking for other side hustles. And I had always had this interest in beating the house in any way possible. And I just wanted to know if it's really possible to make money at Blackjack. I think I'd seen the movie 21 a long time ago, and I had seen a few video clips on YouTube, but I just didn't believe it really, and I had to find out for myself. So I Googled casinos in the Pacific Northwest, and I realized there's like so many options within an hour's drive of where I was living at the time. So I kind of started dabbling a little bit and... I watched a video, not one of your videos. I watched a video from someone else and I started practicing. And I, I think I played like 150 hours before that boot camp in 2018, but it was very up and down. And I think I was making a few mistakes here and there. And I always considered getting into a boot camp when I would listen to your podcasts and stuff, but I never actually could pull the trigger. <laughs> I was just kind of worried it would be too detrimental to my little bankroll at the time that I was using. But I finally did it. And I was so happy I did afterwards. That was when I started playing full-time in 2018, that summer. Awesome. So let's step back a little bit. You said that you were an entrepreneur in college. Tell us about that. Yeah. One of my older brothers showed me how to sell things on YouTube. On YouTube or? (laughs) On eBay, not on YouTube. And we started selling different items. And we realized textbooks were one of the hottest items to buy in the off season and then sell them at the beginning of the semester. And it 
just worked like clockwork. Yeah. So we did that for about seven, eight years. And eventually eBay backed us off <laughs> because of the way we were doing it. It wasn't anything sketchy. We, we just bought up a lot of the smaller sellers inventory in the off seasons. And then we would sell them at the beginning. And we don't really know why our accounts got shut down, but they did. Huh. So it's just arbitrage. You're buying at the end of the school year and then you'd wait until people are willing to pay a lot more at the beginning of this, the next school year. Yep, exactly. Just like kind of investing in stocks instead, we were investing in textbooks when they go up in value. Yeah, totally. So what did you learn from doing that? And you said you were doing as well with that as you had been kind of with your early tech job? Yeah, it had a boom season, like in 2010 through 2014, it was it was pretty good income, especially for somebody in college. It was, it was great. And I realized that if you just, you know, apply yourself and put time in side hustles like that, you can do just as well as you can at most full-time jobs with a salary. So did that keep you at all from pursuing the tech job or, you know, I'm assuming you went to college for something tech related. I got a degree in computer science and I liked the job. I just, I don't know. I, I enjoyed being my own boss and I'm kind of a loner. I, I like writing my own story and having like an adventure instead of just being somebody who works in an office. And I, I, I think I just could never get away from that with how much I had already built my own businesses in the past. Yeah. I was talking to my kids the other day. They were asking, you know, my brother's an orthodontist. And so they're asking how many years of school he did. It's something like 11 and a half from the start of college till he started working. And and I was telling the kids that I was after college thinking about going into medical school. And they're like, do you think you would have liked to be a doctor? And I, I said, I don't, I think I would have gotten bored. Like there's something about, sounds like, your personality and definitely mine, where I think I need something where I've got more opportunity to kind of create my own thing or just do something that isn't just clocking in, clocking out for a job every day. It sounds like you got the bug from eBay. Yes. I have this weird need where I can't have a set routine. I need it to change up every once in a while. If I'm in a set routine for too long, I just don't work very well with it. Yeah. Unless the routine is playing blackjack until 4 a.m. and then eating Denny's every day. (laughs) Exactly. For some reason, that stuck with me out of all the things. Well, you get to choose that. You get to choose that life. (laughs) Yeah. So you started looking for a side hustle, got into card counting. How did you practice and train? And you said 150 hours. Is that training or was that playing at the tables? So I did about two weeks of just training myself using software and my brother, he dealt to me a little bit. And then I did 150 hours in casino before I met you guys. And what did your brother think about this? So I've got six older brothers and they all have different mindsets. Some of them are full on gamblers. Some of them are extremely conservative. I fall more on the conservative side where I really didn't believe it would work for a long time, but I just wanted to see it for myself. I was like, even if I fail and I go bust on my bankroll, I'm going to find out if this works after so many hours. But my brother just above me, he played poker for many years. He did online poker back in 2009 before the big crackdown 
with the online poker. And then he plays in person now in tournaments. Okay. So he knew that there's a possibility to make money in casinos for sure. He's very understanding. He's probably the one I talked to the most about my advantage play. What was it that made you like look more into BGA or go to a boot camp? Because you were already playing kind of part-time or semi-professionally for a little bit. I think it was the consistent, truthful content. I would look at the other blackjack forums and sources and I would see what overlaps because I'm extremely conservative, like I said, in what I personally believe. <laughs> like there's so much fluff out there online that's hard to believe. And it just seems like everything that's put out from Blackjack Apprenticeship is well thought out. And if somebody says something that's wrong, they're immediately corrected. The guys in the forum are incredible. Like Nichols always spits out really good information and Colin and everybody else who is taking care of the forums have done an incredible job with that. I, I think I got the membership well before the boot camp and I started using all the, the forums information to kind of motivate me. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So you played 150 hours. Do you think you had a winning game? I do, but there were definitely some things that I picked up at the boot camp that kind of accelerated my play for sure. And that shows in my results as well. How did your test out go out of curiosity? It went really well. I think Joe was the one who tested me out and I was trying to be too comfortable. And I think I made one little mistake where <laughs> I bet too much on insurance on purpose, trying to like jokingly <laughs> see if the dealer would notice because the count was so high and she just took it really fast. And Joe was like, hmm, that's definitely a mistake there because <laughs> now you got to call surveillance and yeah, going to slow down the game for sure. I think that was my only mistake. And I may have made one other mistake, but I can't remember. I kept it. I, I can look at my results if you really want me to. Oh, no, no, that's okay. So that's interesting. You trained for two weeks. It's kind of similar to my training, which is not what I recommend, but two weeks at home. And then basically the rest of your training happened at the tables. Do you remember like, man, that's risky. If you're getting good at the tables through 150 hours of playing, like that could have clobbered your bankroll. But do you remember how that first 150 hours went? I do very vividly. So right at the beginning, we went to Vegas because my in-laws have a timeshare. They bought a timeshare and my father-in-law was kind of proud to show me that he knows basic strategy. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm going to one-up you. I don't just know basic strategy. I've been practicing counting. And we went over to South Point and started playing. And I started betting big when the count got high. And as you know, South Point isn't oh, yeah. sweaty. <laughs> so the back off came. It was the first back off ever. And I was so proud to say <laughs> the casino had turned away my action. And that just kind of like flipped the switch. And I was on fire for a long time to play after that. For some reason, I just couldn't believe that they would tell you to stop playing in a casino. And I played for 150 hours and I lost everything I won. And I lost a lot of my pride for sure. Oh, wow. Because there's a lot of down sessions in Seattle at the card rooms where it just wiped out all of my winnings from that Vegas trip. And I remember some specific places that you've probably played at many times. Yeah. In Seattle. Yeah. I, those first 150 hours, I know I didn't bet 
the exact amount I always should have. Like there were times where I didn't pull out the cash because it was awkward or something when the count got high. Just little like hiccups in my game that would have definitely been corrected when I met all the pros. And you guys are just showing people how to always be thinking about the advantage first before you do anything else at the tables. So um, like during this experiment, before you got tested out by a pro, what percentage would you say of your net worth or whatever did you put towards this like card counting experiment? Before I got tested out? Yeah, yeah. During this 150-hour sort of just testing phase. I would say like 30% of everything that had right there. Okay. So you weren't just like, I'm going all in. I'm just going to try this and see how it goes. No, definitely. I was extremely conservative. And I always kept my risk of ruin around 0.2% or less. Oh, wow. Nice. And so then you attend the boot camp, you, you know, make sure your game's good. It sounds like your game was good at that point. I have no idea in the first 150 hours, you know, I'm sure it improved, but at that point, your game's good. And where did things go from there? So immediately the night after boot camp, I went to Golden Nugget and I played the double deck all night long for 10 hours. And I, I think I lost like five grand or something. And after that, it was like a straight up shot for 150 hours. I think I went from 12,000 all the way up to 50,000 and a little bit more than that. This is your, your bankroll size or your profits? Profits. Okay. And I played for another 150, 200 hours after that. And it was just a slow down slog where I wiped out about 75% of those profits. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at that point, you're up maybe like 10? Exactly. Yeah, right around 10 grand. And I, I just remember being so devastated and thinking, how could this be worth it? <laughs> yeah. All of this time spent. And I was thinking, like, who am I going to tell about this major failure? Like, I've only got 10 grand to show for all of these hours. And I had been building it up with my brothers and my friends and family at that point, I was trying to get everybody into it. Yeah. Like I had that motivation. Like I couldn't believe that there's not more people who do it at this point. And then after that 200 hour downswing, I was like, you know what? I get it. <laughs> I definitely get it. Yeah. And I would read in the forums about other horrible losing streaks that a lot of the pros have had. And that's what kept me going at that point for sure. Yeah. So at this point, you're making like 20 bucks an hour doing this, but this is on the side. You're still working. I was working a little bit. I had, I remember when I was first building that bankroll in 2018, I still had bookshelves in my garage full of textbooks, but I was full time card counting. That turned into my number one source of income after that boot camp in 2018. So I'm kind of surprised you said that you. 450 hours in, you're down 75% of what you'd made, or you're up 10 grand. What kept you going? It was like I took a week off, I remember, and I dove deep into some of the forum stories. And I listened to, I think it was Joe's podcast, actually, where he says, You really got to get used to the swings after a thousand hours. And that's <laughs> so it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said. That's when you actually realize how this business works. And I was like, I'm not even halfway there. So why stop now? Yeah. And I just kept plugging away. And I had an upshot over the next 
300 hours that took me well over a hundred grand in profit. Man, that's crazy. You know, like how many people would have stuck with it? Yeah. Being up 20, 22 bucks an hour, whatever it is after nearly 500 hours. Yeah. It takes a very particular type of personality and mindset for sure. Yeah. And the access to games, you know, they're not like the world's best games, but that you could grind out hours locally. Right. Yeah. I didn't change up my betting style. I didn't change up the games I was playing. I just kept plugging away at the same shoe games and double deck games I could get access to. And yeah, it just turned around completely after that downswing. You've played a ton of hours now at this point, like over almost 2,500 hours. How much of that percentage-wise would you think was a lot local or semi-local, like within driving distance of where you live? Over 50% is casinos within two hours of where I lived at the time in Seattle. And then the next half is all over the country. I haven't done much of the Northeast, but the rest of the country I've been to. There's some places in the Midwest I haven't been to. I originally had the same mindset you had where you wanted to get backed off from every casino in North America. And <laughs> I was starting to check those off. I even had a map with like all of the pins and I would change the color of the pin to red whenever I got backed off. <laughs> I've only done like 40% of all the possible casinos to back me off, but it was great for motivation in the early days. Yeah. To just keep grinding and have a kind of like a FU goal rather, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. You need that with counting. And it's amazing. You got over a thousand hours, like within driving distance of your house. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. There was a lot of options at that time. And unfortunately after COVID, I'd say more than half of the double deck games that were available close to me are not available anymore. That's just in one particular region. It's not like that across the whole country. So I know that you went full-time. What was that transition like? From being somebody who was just dabbling probably 10 hours a week. Yeah. It was crazy for my family to see me leave for five and six days at a time, not really knowing what the results were. Yeah. I had a lot of, a lot of lonely days on the road that I had to get used to. And I remember calling a lot of my brothers and explaining to them what I'm doing and just feeling like nobody can really relate. But thankfully, I was able to meet a lot of people on the forum and from the boot camp that I continued to remain in touch with. And without that, it just would have been one of the loneliest experiences of my life. But it, it was really one of the coolest adventures of my life. And I'll always remember those first two or three years traveling. So what did your wife think? She has been really, it's like a huge team effort. I always say we when I'm talking about our bankroll because she completely supports me and she'll even go to the tables with me whenever she's able to go on a trip. She doesn't play herself, but she is 100% wanting me to be successful at this. And the money was good enough for sure for her to be, to be supportive after the first six months of being full-time. I was like, just wait till I get enough hours in and you can see the size of the growth of the bankroll. And yeah, she just trusted and supported me. We've been together since right when I started college. So we have a lot of faith and trust in each other. That's awesome. Any idea where you were at a thousand hours in? Yeah. I'm actually looking at my chart as we speak, trying to remember some of these stories. 
a thousand hours in, I was at 130K profit. Nice. And that's never going above two by 500. I think one time at a double bet game, I went above, I went to two by 600, but that's the highest. It's probably like you were generating, you know, 10 or 20 bucks an hour at first and then a bit more. And because that works out to 130 bucks an hour, but I'm sure it wasn't 130 an hour for a thousand hours. It was, you know, a lot lower and then a lot more for that second half. Yeah. And you can see that in the graph because the downswings and the upswings get a lot longer, <laughs> closer to a thousand hours. Bigger peaks and valleys in there. Yeah. And which with each blip and peak and valley, there's like a story that goes along with it. So yeah, <laughs> I have so totally. many stories. What is like your playing style when you go into these places, you know, maybe not locally, but when you're traveling and stuff, like how, how do you approach the game? Yeah, that's a good way to form that question because it's very different when it's a place within 30 minutes of you. You definitely don't want to burn that one if you don't have to. But when I'm on the road, I mean, I, I'm kind of just find the first good game if it's a place I've never been to and immediately start firing away and just see what happens. I'm almost kind of hoping I get backed off and I'm thinking about what I'm going to do on the road after my two or three hours. And then if I last eight to 10 hours, it's just a pleasant surprise. And I'll either try to get a room somewhere close by and see how long it lasts. Kind of like your style of like trying to find a place that maybe will let you play for a week, which is a rare one, but it's happened. I still have a place that has never backed me off. I think I've put in at least 350 hours there. Oh, that's awesome. 350 hours. That makes me wonder how many hours I've gotten at the place that I've taken the most out of. That's awesome. Yeah. Was all of your travel on your own? But you said sometimes your wife is with you. How, how do you determine if you're traveling you know, with family or alone? Well, because we've got the two kids... During the school years, like if it's the school semester, they don't come with me. So like August, September, October, I'll do two or three long trips by myself. And then as soon as the summer hits, they go everywhere with me from May all the way to the end of July. And that's when I get the most of my hours. And I think one time in July, I got like 160 hours, which was a crazy month. Yeah. What do they do when they're with you? They go to the pools and if we're in Vegas or they hang out in the room, watch movies, they love video games. So we always bring our switches. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're great. <laughs> they're great kids. Sometimes they'll try to help test me out. My nine-year-old loves to huh. help deal to me a little bit. He knows 21 himself. It's a good way that we practice his arithmetic and everything. That's right. Quick math facts. Yeah. But going back to that one place, I have a funny story, if you don't mind me telling, the place that I have 350 hours. Yeah, let's hear it. So uh, after being well up and knowing every single person there, and at this point, I'm, I feel like I, I almost have to tip something. So I use the... I'm playing rated there too. So I, I use the points that I'm getting in the free play to basically give back to the dealers that I see 100 hours a year. Mm -hmm. each one of them and as i'm tipping and really just getting to get a feel for this place I, I even bring my kids there and i brought my mom there and they just know everything about me almost 
Wow. Except for the fact that I'm working there basically <laughs> and paying some of their salary. I showed up and there's a huge advantage player there just burning the place down one day. And he's just waiting like an hour before they open the tables and not saying a word at the tables and just rocking them for everything they've got. And I've been trying to like shear the sheep for years now. Yeah. <laughs> hoping that they never totally change everything. And yeah. I think he took like 40 or 50 K from them before they started cutting all the shoes in half and the whole casino, the whole casino and oh the shift manager that I know very well, he comes up to me and he's like, I'm sorry, but this guy, he, he really hit us hard and we're going to have to do something. I can't just let you keep playing. Maybe we can keep you within a range. He's like, maybe you can only bet a certain amount he's like we just got to figure something out so he didn't back me off he like kind of let me make my own countermeasure (laughs) which is the funniest thing and so i just gave him a bet range that was still an advantage but they're still letting me play and some of the dealers are nicer to me with the cut and some aren't wow so did you know who this ap was that blasted the casino I had like a 90% sure notion and I kind of verified it after I messaged a few people and I, yeah, I figured it out. Okay. That's crazy. You know, like half chewing their games, that's costing them money, but they make these emotional decisions just like players can. But uh, were you up at this place after 300 hours? Is that what you said? Yeah, I was up around 30 K and that's not including all of the comps and the free play. And you're still, even with the countermeasures, it's still worth playing. Yes, I would, I would say so. (laughs) So that's how much you're up total at this place. 30 K at this point, I I think it's around 40 or 45. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Well, (laughs) I mean, that's an interesting story that someone clobbered it. They countermeasured it, but they let you keep going. Do you think it's the tipping? Do you think it's just the rapport you had? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the tipping. I'm not tipping much, but I am tipping some for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's because they've met me and so many of my family that yeah, they almost feel like we're a part of their crew sometimes. What about like the bet spread? Was the other AP like spreading a lot bigger or like a bigger max or? Yeah. He was betting a lot bigger. I was doing two by 400 and they were allowing him to do three by 500. I'm not even sure how he did that because I've tried to do that and they wouldn't let me. Wow. That's funny. Well, just to make it clear for anybody listening, Sheriff AP had was tipping not out of his EV, but out of the comp value, the comp dollars. Yeah. It's just really important. I don't want people to hear, oh, it's the tipping that got them to last so long. And then people start tipping away their edge. So I think it's really smart the way you figured it out. And how much do you tip at places that aren't your 300-hour honeypot? It's rare. The first thousand hours, I think I tipped a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. And that was just to make myself feel better. But as I've played more and more, I realized there's just not an amount that makes anybody happy or that solves that problem at all. It's never enough. So I just kind of cut that expense out because the edge is so small. And sometimes the break-even stretches are so brutal 
that it's not worth it as a business choice at all. And there was even this one time in Reno where I had a huge winning session, one of my biggest ones. I think I was up five figures and I tipped the person red chips for the dealer and they flicked it at me. They flicked it back. They're like, whoa, I don't don't want your money. Wow. (laughs) They were so angry with me for winning, I guess, and not tipping enough that I, I just, after that point, I was like, I don't know how to satisfy this problem. Like, I wish I could tip more, but I can't always satisfy that. So I just always try to be as cordial as I can and honest as I can. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't satisfy this. I wish I could help you and hope the best for you. Wow. So you've played over almost 2,500 hours. You're bound to have some pretty uh, gnarly back offs or bad trips. Can you uh, give us a story about one of the worst trips you've ever had? Oh, there's, yeah, so many. I think I posted in the forum about one of my worst ones, which was in 2020, at one of my brutal downswings. I was in the middle of like a 400-hour break-even stretch, and my wife and the kids were traveling with me from Southern California to Nevada, and we pulled over for gas at like 10 p.m., and a guy runs a red light, who's completely high or something and totals our car with my kids in the car. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that was horrible, but it was kind of the beginning of like the worst two weeks of our life. We got a ride to to Vegas and, I and the, was, the kids, everybody was okay. Your everybody, wife was, everybody was okay. The longest two seconds of my life was turning around and looking at the backseat. Oh man. And they were great. Yeah. They're happy. The gas station person working, let them pick out like 10 bags of candy close by. It was one of their best nights of their lives as a kid. But anyways, yeah, that's a different story. So a few days later, I was playing Fremont street and we come back after dinner and our room has been ransacked completely. And the front desk at this hotel let somebody into our room and they robbed us completely of everything we had. We were also in the process of moving from Seattle across the country. And so we were carrying a lot of tech equipment with us and they took four laptops and $12,000. And it was just horrible to lose our car and to lose that much of the bankroll. <laughs> yeah. What, what was your bank? Was it six figure bankroll? Yeah. It was. Wow. How long were you gone for before you returned back to the room? About three hours. Oh. Yeah. It was a crazy thing. Like we immediately went to the front desk and asked them how this could have happened. And they were so apologetic. They're like, oh, one of our employees thought that you had checked out. And so we checked somebody else in the room and they had the footage of these two individuals. And they even ended up giving us their information, their names and addresses. And it's still an ongoing investigation. We've hired a private investigator and we've got lawyers trying to get us some compensation. Yeah. Did you sue the uh, casino? We're in that process right now. Oh my gosh. The long, messy (laughs) court process. Oh, did you want to give up then? Yeah. Yeah. I think I took a month off after that. No, I, I did play a couple more times. I went to Northern California, and that was when I wrote about this in the forum as well. That was when I got physically assaulted by an off-duty cop who was working security for the casino at the time. And he grabbed me and wouldn't let me leave the casino, 
even though I'd only played blackjack for 45 minutes and done nothing else, he, he felt the need to stop me because somebody in his earpiece from the security surveillance of the casino told him to stop me. And that was enough for him to feel like he could physically grab me and put me on the curb three times right in front of my wife. Did you sue, sue that city or? I did not because they were tribal territory and I talked to Bob Nersessian and, and he put me in touch with some lawyers locally, but it was just too many cases and too many things going on. Like I was working with oh an insurance gosh. company to get compensation for our car. And I was working with the case with the robbery and I just never got around to that. <laughs> You've had a crazy career. Like <laughs> yeah, the church team that I ran, we played like tens of thousands of hours between all the players and never had someone thrown to the curb by police. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. You know, some, some back rooms and we never had someone I'm trying to, I don't remember anyone getting their car totaled. We had some people lose some money, but it was like five or 10,000 fell out of their pocket. And it, even that was like a big deal, but, but nothing. It's like in two weeks, you had three worse stories than anything I can think of from the team we ran. Wow. <laughs> what was the escalation moment to where they threw you down on the ground? Like, how did that like, get up to that point? So it was a pretty juicy double deck game. I was playing for about 45 minutes and a guy in a suit approaches me. And the first thing he says is, we know you're counting cards and we know you've been here before and you're going to be arrested. It's the first thing he said. They don't even say color up your chips. They say you're going to be arrested. Wow. And none of that was true. I hadn't even been to this place before. So I don't even color up my chips. I just put them in my pocket and start heading for the exit. And there's a huge raffle going on. So there's people standing in the aisles trying to watch this stage. And this guy with the microphone, it was just complete chaos. And I'm walking through this crowd trying to get out of the casino. And I can see behind me there's like a line of suits following me in like a snake-like fashion through the crowd of people doing the raffle. And I'm just, I wasn't running or anything. I, I just wanted to leave because the guy kind of terrified me approaching me like that. And as I'm walking through the sliding doors, security catches up to me and blocks me from walking outside of the valet entrance area. And they start kind of like guiding me to the side and they yell at this off-duty cop, they say, hey, this guy's not showing us any ID and we need his ID. And, and so the cop comes over and he just kind of stands next to me and I do pull out my ID for a second. I flash it to him and I just told him, I'm trying to get to my wife. She's in the car in the parking lot. And I was like, we're on vacation. I don't know what's going on. I just want to leave. And he doesn't really respond. He just listens to his earpiece. And after, I don't know, 20 seconds, he grabs me by my arm and throws me on the curb. <laughs> and I have no idea Please. why. And I'm sure my voice kind of got like high pitched and scared sounding. Like I, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, why would you be physical at this moment? And I, I'm extremely non-confrontational when I talk to these people. Like it's happened to me over 200 times now where I've been backed off. I'm not at all raising the level of whatever aggression in any way. But this guy, he thought it was, he heard enough to become physical. And he grabbed me, threw me down, 
And I told him, you have no right to do that. I know that I can leave. And I stood up again and he grabs me again by the shoulder and puts me down and says, stay put. I need some more information. And so I did. I stayed put. I called my wife on the phone and she came over and she's sitting there watching us. And he asks her a bunch of questions. He's getting information about me and my address and everything. And finally, he says, just answer me this. Where are you from? And let me cross-reference your names. And I answered it. And then I got up to leave again. And he pushed me down on the curb again a third time. Wow. And then something switched after about 15 minutes of this. And he became extremely cordial and non-confrontational. And he's like, oh, I just realized, you know what? I'm just going to walk you to your car. We've made a mistake. I'm so sorry, wow. Mr. Wow. Sheriff. So stupid. Let me take you guys out of here. He's like, How, what's it like living in Seattle? I've wow. always wanted to live there. Isn't the weather crazy? <laughs> Man, he must have known that he messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And tried to, you know, walk it back. But, you know, I totally understand everything going on that you didn't sue. But man, it's just like so frustrating that this stuff happens. Yeah. My advice to anybody starting out is pull out your phone if you're feeling really physically threatened or anything and just record. You got to have some other party to help you out because sometimes they can be aggressive. I hope it never happens to anybody else. It shouldn't. Speaking of that, what's the update on the whole um, the Blackhawk situation that you're a part of? The update is I'm talking with a lawyer and I still have my chips from that incident and I I'm waiting for like the right move to cash those out and hopefully get some more damages from them. But we'll see how that turns out. I don't know if I should talk too much. Yeah. You don't need to say anything. (laughs) Yeah. If it's an ongoing legal thing, but for people who are wondering what the heck we're talking about, there's a video on YouTube by Stephen Bridges who's a BJ member in, in a card counter. And he went on or met up with Sheriff AP in Blackhawk, Colorado, and actually got footage of this cop, like an actual police officer, claiming that card counting is illegal. Yeah, that was just me. I was on my own trip and I filmed that myself. Oh, okay. Okay, you filmed. Okay, thanks for clarifying. And then I think someone, a friend that I've made, an AP friend, was saying like, dude, you got to tell Sheriff AP to pursue legal damages. Like, you know, you have a strong case or whatever. And I let you know, and it sounds like you're pursuing it. Yeah, the case really is that they detained me and it's all on camera. He even says you're free to go at the end, which insinuates I was not free to go for almost an hour. Yeah, it is an infuriating video. Like when I saw it, my blood just boiled because it's just so ridiculous and I've never seen a cop, you know, just straight up be like, yes, what your card counting is illegal and repeat it over and over again. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and yeah, he's in the position of authority of somebody who's supposed to mediate between the casino and other people. And just to hear that come out of his mouth was unbelievable. I'm so glad I caught it on video. So at this point, you've played. Close to 2,500 hours is what you told us. What's keeping you going through the ups and downs? How do you handle all of it? Is it getting harder or is it getting easier? It's getting harder right now because I have a lot of other goals in mind at this point. I have another business that I've been spending a lot more time on this year 
So I'm not averaging 100 hours a month in 2022. Yeah. But just the adventure of it. I still would like to say I've been backed off from every casino in North America eventually or almost every casino. And I, I love traveling. I always have. So this kind of forces me to travel whenever we're having those open months. And the family seems to enjoy traveling. So there's no slowing down yet for us. I'll probably hit 3,000 hours by the end of the year, I think. Wow. And this other business, is this something you're getting paid for? Yes and no. It's a video game. We're building a video game as a software company. And we just showed the game recently at a convention. And we have a potential investor so we can finish this and put it out on as many platforms as possible. Oh, that's awesome. We'll see. It's a lot of time and a lot of work. Is it a uh, blackjack video game? <laughs> that's next. I would love to build like the ultimate card counter video game. That would be so much fun to like show the world through the eyes of a card counter in a video game. That is one of my dreams. Is it like Grand Theft Auto, but it's just you getting beaten up by cops? <laughs> that's an idea. Uh, that could work. It's getting easier now to build open world games. So are there any lessons that Advantage Play has taught you that's helped with developing this video game? Yes, so many. <laughs> Just like looking through the lens of EV has changed my perspective on everything I do in the business world, investing world. When you, when you work on something for a whole week straight and you don't see any payoff, and it feels like a failure. Yeah. You know that you're still doing the right thing because you're putting in the effort that is going to generate positive results in the future. And a lot of people don't approach their entrepreneurial business that way. They immediately think it's a failure because they failed after the first two weeks or the first month. But yeah, that's not the way to view a business from a successful mindset. And Blackjack is one of the perfect ways to learn that, I think. Yeah, that's good. It's making me think about, you know, running Blackjack Apprenticeship. There are decisions I make where try something and it loses money. And well, I'm used to that. I'm used to losing money at something. The question is, is it generating positive EV in the grand scheme of things? Like, am I going to learn from it? Or, you know, is it generating negative EV in the grand scheme of things? Or is it like, oh, okay, well, we made this mistake and it's going to pay off. But I don't know how, I mean, obviously people can learn that stuff in business outside of card counting, but it's just so much easier when you understand EV the way an advantage player does. Yep. And Blackjack Apprenticeship is one of the best ways <laughs> to learn that concept. It's just a fact. One of something like looking back on your playing and, and stuff, especially from when you started off, you know, before learning more and before getting tested out and everything, what is something that that really changed your game from that first 150 hours to like the AP you are now? What do you think are like the habits or the behaviors playing that really made a huge difference? That's a good question. I I think there was that first day where I sat down with Loudon often, and it was like Colin did a great job introducing everything. And then it just kind of gets quiet and we just start playing. And everything is about the count. Everything is about the deviations and making the right move. And you just don't get distracted. And it was a lot easier for me to ignore the casino after that. 
I was always thinking before I had, I had trained for two straight days with you guys, I had always kind of been distracted by what's going on around me. And I wasn't focused on the table and the count as much and the long run as much. And I, I completely changed that after that. I didn't care if I, if, if I had been approached by two hosts and they had asked me for my player's card 10 times, I was just always making the right deviation decision or the right betting decision. I can't think of a specific thing, but. <laughs> no, that's, that's really good for people to hear because, you know, I train people enough. There's a difference between a pro and someone that's not there yet where a pro is not going to drop the count or miss a card. There's that focus on always catching every card, always having the right count. And there are other people that, yeah, they can keep the count, but they'll also drop it or not have that kind of singular focus that we're not there to play blackjack. We're there to know the count and bet the count. Yeah. And a big one for me after the boot camp was controlling the speed of the game. Mm. I learned how to say the right things and kind of stop whatever is slowing down the game if I need to. Like when the count gets high, you already have the cash ready to throw out on the table. It's not a huge awkward thing. Or if it is a huge awkward thing, you just do it anyways. And you keep betting those big bets and all of the gasps from people around you. You just learn to totally ignore those and think about the game on the table. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions for you since I'm a, you know, family man, father of six. What has that been like as, you know, your kids are getting a little older, the travel? I mean, I know you're traveling less right now as you're working on the video game, but just the last few years, has that gotten harder or easier? You're saying at first, you know, taking these five, six day trips away from the family. How do you balance all that? It's gotten harder as my kids have gotten a little bit older yep. because they don't want to sit in the car for five and six <laughs> hours straight. And they're pretty vocal about that. And I'm very understanding about that. So yeah, getting away from them for more than four or five days is a strain on not so much me and my wife, because we've been together for a long time, but me and my kids' relationships for sure. Mm. So yeah, I've tried to like work in systems where I don't leave for so long. Yeah. I know that well, I mean, that was that's a big reason why I hardly play blackjack anymore. It's just it makes sense. Got half a dozen awesome people in my life, seven including my wife, that you know, don't want me gone more than I have to be. But how is with blackjack being your sole source of income, has that been a strain on the family? Or when you're not winning, do you just say, well, it's going to turn around? Yeah. With my immediate family, they're used to that story of me not telling them or just telling them I'm breaking even <laughs> for the uh -huh. 10th time in a row. Yeah. But with my extended family, it's always just like an interesting conversation. Like one year, during the holidays, I'll tell one of my older brothers, like, yeah, I've been doing the Advantage Place full-time still this year. And they're like, oh, you're still calling an Advantage Play? <laughs> like, what? Have you not listened to a word I've said? And I just, I got to brush it off and laugh it off. There's always going to be those people who just don't really understand the ideology of making money at casinos, that it's a very legitimate source of income. What about your parents? How do they feel about it? My mom has relaxed a lot on it. At first, <laughs> I only got Bible 
verses and other things <laughs> in her messages for like a year straight. <laughs> but uh, years down the road, she has even taken some pride in the fact that I've been able to beat casinos. And she even told me last year that she wants to go on one of my trips to Las Vegas. She wants to see me play. Wow. Which is really a huge turnaround for her. Yeah. It probably only took me 15 years for my mom to, to <laughs> oh, like, yeah. to say that, Oh, do you think you could teach me? But we could cr- create a support group, children of conservative evangelical <laughs> parents or advanced play children of conservative evangelical parents and talk it's about struggle. <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> Oh man. So I was wondering with your brother, like, have you told your family? I, I'm guessing after 2,500 hours, you've made a, multiple six figures. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. crossed the 350,000 threshold this year from you know, profits. Awesome. So yeah, you're, you're averaging 100K a year. And does that help with your family at all? Of course. Yeah. The ones who are close to me, yeah. They completely appreciate it and understand it. And we do a lot of other things on the trips. Like we're, I'm never just in the casino 10 hours a day. We we're yeah. always going to the water parks if it's summertime or going to the movie theaters or whatever's close by. And yeah, we spend a lot of money at restaurants with the family, which is another reason why I haven't made as much probably <laughs> like, in four years, because I spend a lot too. Uh-huh. So you, you got to remember that my bet has never gone above two by 500. And that's because the bankroll is never growing too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've got expenses. Yeah, of course. Family of five now? Four. Four. Family of four. Yeah. There's going to be expenses. Yeah. So how are you feeling about it now? What, you're four years in? Is that right? Yep. How do you feel about it? Do you wish you would have stuck with the development job or the tech job, or do you feel like this was the right move for you? Oh, no, it was the right move. Even though the highs have been super high and the lows have been profoundly low, it's just been an incredible experience. And I don't regret hardly any of it, except for that one hotel we stayed at that one night where we got robbed. (laughs) But almost every moment has been an incredible experience. And I, I wouldn't trade it. And I, I hope to write a book about it like you have someday to tell a lot of these stories. I have so many stories. Well, yeah, talk to me. I'd be happy to help in any way I can if you decide to go that route as far as writing writing a story. Make sure that you're keeping notes. You know, That's one thing. I wish I would have kept some sort of journal, like notepad on my phone or something to remember all the detail, the quirky things, the you know, the funny things, the hard things or whatever. Yeah. Like I just finished my top 10 favorite back off quotes from hip bosses. I need to post that. Yeah, dude. I want to see that. And as you keep working on the video game, are you hoping that that becomes your new full-time gig and then blackjack becomes an investment on top of that again? Or what are you hoping for moving forward? Yeah, you almost said it exactly. I would like to work full-time as a video game developer and part-time advantage play. That's my dream. But the market for video games is very saturated and it's pretty much a marketing game. You have to be very good at advertising these days. Yeah. 
Yeah. Will this be on consoles or would this be on like app stores? It'll be on Steam first and then it'll come out on Switch and PlayStation and hopefully Xbox. Cool. Well, if there's anything we can do to get the word out, happy to do it. Anything else you want to share with uh, you know, with the community or with those listening? Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> if you're just getting started, I just have to say stick with it. Like you've got to trust the math even when you're in a bitter downswing. And I know you've heard that so many times, but I feel the pain of those who are in those long break-even stretches. And yeah, there's not much I could say in in one short minute. Uh-huh quote that would satisfy that but yeah just keep with it yeah i think like a lot of us you know we all share that pain together and we've experienced it but we've also experienced all the the good things that come with it that a lot of times we just sort of take for granted because we just you know we just assume it's it's uh the positives are just there for us like but overall i mean it's same as well worth it to pursue for you was it yeah, is definitely more profitable than my jobs at the time, the salary that I was making at the time, and much more interesting adventure than I would have had coding on my computer at home all day, every day. I'm so glad I took the leap. And, you know, if the video game works out, then you're still living the entrepreneurial dream, you know? You're creating your own thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we always are thinking of new ideas. And with Blackjack, it's actually been more of a creative outlet for us. Like We're always thinking of advantage play concepts in the game too. Man, if you write a book, you need to... I want to have you interview your kids and ask them what it's been like. You know, it doesn't need to be long, but just I'm curious, what a unique story for them, you know, that for three, four years... They've spent their summers traveling while, they, while their dad gambles. Yeah, and same to you. I want to hear what your kids have to think about about your career as a card-counting trainer. Oh, yeah. I mean, daddy's got to do blackjack apprenticeship. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my kids were very young. If I brought them on trips, they were a lot younger. I don't think that they took it in as much as probably yours. But yeah, there was definitely times where it's like, hey, take the kids to the park. I'll call you when I get backed off and, you know, my wife would drop me off at the casino and I'd play or, or I'd man, just play all night and get a few hours of sleep before the kids are jumping on the bed, but not, not as much as you. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to say is it's one thing to go out and do this for a living. It's another thing entirely to teach it and encourage it in a way that fits someone's lifestyle. And that's kind of what you guys have done with Blackjack Apprenticeship. That is so unique. And I don't know how anyone's ever going to top it if they tried to start a card counting enterprise or whatever, and they want to show people how it's done. It, it's a, a huge challenge. I tried to get six of my older brothers to do it, and not one of them was interested. Even though they saw me making six figures and telling all these stories. and yeah. I'll think of it someday. Someday I'll make my own blackjack apprenticeship game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one brother and I, I did not convince him to do it, but he's doing just fine. So yeah, anything else you want to share with people? 
nothing off the top of my head. There's so much I would love to talk with people at meetups in the future. Yeah. I look forward to seeing the guys in the forum. Hopefully I'll run into you on the road, like Stan Podolak, SD1, burning down the house. I'd love to see you guys again. And loud and often, I, I always enjoy talking with him. I yeah. listened to his podcast in the early days many times. Awesome. Yeah. Well, swing by boot camp again and share some stories and hang out with some folks. I'm there. Just <laughs> let me know when and where. That sounds good. Thanks so much for taking some time and sharing your story. The good, the bad, the like, the what the F. Yeah. <laughs> All of it <laughs> with us. Yeah. And Joe 748, you kicked that COVID, bro. Doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you recover quickly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Sheriff AP, do you think you'd be willing to hop on a chat room Q&A sometime for us? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Well, we'll get we'll get that scheduled and you guys can ask some follow-up questions in the forum or we'll set up the chat room Q&A if you're a member of BJ. If you're not a member of BJ, well, I don't, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Get that, <laughs> get, get that membership and hang out with us in the site. No, I'm just kidding. You guys can find out more Blackjack Friendship. Otherwise, hope you enjoyed this interview with Sheriff AP. Catch you guys later. Thank you,